fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. It's off the Leonard. Defended by Simmons. Is this the tagger? Getting pucks deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep, pucks in deep. Puck deep, pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. All right. What'd you think of that episode uh, intro there, Let's go. Well done, eh? Threw in a couple of uh, clips of cherry wine in, and then uh, <laughs> our first basketball highlight made its appearance, and why not? Our first basketball highlight, hopefully our, not our last. Well, fuck, if Kawhi's going to be draining buckets like that. I just love how, like, as as a minor level broadcaster myself, I just love how there was no reaction really necessary other than, oh, yeah. from both the, the actual play-by-play guy and the color guy. I noticed when I watch it on Sportsnet as well, like, they didn't say much after. They just kind of sat there and, like, took in the moment and, like, let... You know, kept the dead air so you could hear the crowd roaring. You could hear Kawhi screaming. You could hear the rap screaming. I mean, it was cool moment and like, you know, definitely one of the one of the biggest. It could be the biggest that's that's ever happened in that building. You well, know, it, I would, yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, what else has happened? Now, I mean, they were talking about it on Overdrive earlier today. Pucks in Deep podcast. Adam Lesko, Josh Coleman here, episode thirty-four. Thanks for your jumping on. Um, you know, they were talking about it on overdrive and they were mentioning other massively important moments, uh, iconic sporting moments. And <laughs> they were kind of laughing at the fact that all of our moments as, as Canadian or Toronto sports fans are just wins. They're not like they're actual, not titles. They're not titles. Yeah. They're just, they're just wins like victories within a game. Whereas all these other places, obviously you and I were bitching just before we came on air about fucking Boston. All they do is win. They win every kind of sport, the national championship, all kinds of different stuff. They win it. And we're just, you know, ecstatic over a a series clinching win. Yeah. You see those little dicks at the parades every year with the signs. It's like, I'm 11 and I've seen 10 championships. Now go fuck yourself, son. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's luck of the draw. I mean, because let's be honest, we're, you know, uh, 30, 31, 32 years old. We can't uh, say that we've seen many championships. We saw some Jays. Uh, championships, but that was you know, four. Hey, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but guess what? I mean, we could be thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two year olds living in some third world and not even really know about what sports is all about. This so, is true. Put so it all in perspective. Put it in perspective. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I mean the uh, the intro, dude. I was up till like fucking maybe two a.m. last night <laughs> trying to mix that. It, it was like it was like eleven thirty when I started. I said, oh, I might as well go ahead and get the intro out of the way, and I was going to use the Kawhi. Uh, the Kawhi clip. So I was like, that'll be easy. I'll just, I'll just throw it right in there. And then as I was kind of dicking around, you know, saving files, I noticed that I had other things clipped from the last time I did an intro. I had a bunch of Don Cherry stuff clipped and this and that. So I was like, you know what? Maybe it's time for not a rebranding or anything, but maybe it's just time for a, an update. Freshen it up. Freshen it up. Little update. So I kind of saw some of these other Don Cherry things. I had Joe Bowen. You heard Joe Bowen yep. in there, you know? 
bless you boys. Like that moment when the Leafs won a very important game and he was pert near in fucking tears in the in the broadcast booth over the victory. That's so, when they clinched against Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, that's what Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, 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 sorry. The 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 bless you boys is like a long time ago. Oh, okay. Like uh I I can't even really remember when, but yeah. You know what? Maybe you're right, dude. I thought it was after uh they clinched the playoffs. After uh Connor Brown was After Connor Brown's block. goal there, the, t- the tip in yeah. and then they uh saved they by, iced it. Saved yeah. by McElhaney. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a pretty big moment. So, so where's the Kawhi moment rank for you in like I guess Toronto sports because I know the other ones have been thrown out there in comparison is the bat flip, uh, Dougie in '93 in overtime again. Like you said, though, not championships, but you know, huge wins. game seven type winning stuff. Now the interesting about the bat flip, it was an incredible moment after a, what a 50 minute inning, but. It, it didn't even win the game, actually. Yeah, I know. I mean, it, sort of, it's, it did win the game, but eventually. There was still, yeah. what, a couple innings or something seventh, left. That was in the seventh. Yeah. So that was the crazy scenario where the the Rangers made three consecutive infield errors. Yeah. And ended up loading the bases. Then Donaldson hits a fucking Texas leaguer that goes two inches over Odor's glove into right center field. Jays score a run to tie the game. They actually got the out at second. Because everyone had to stay still, right? Because yeah. the fucking ball was in the air. Why are you wearing sunglasses? Oh. <laughs> uh, I guess I could probably take them off. But <laughs> just, you're I'm just getting ready for the long weekend. What, are you afraid of my cat or something? No, I, so I had a little thing there. I had a little irritation in the eye on the weekend. I thought I got some shit in it or something. And then I woke up Monday morning. I like barely see it's like swollen three-quarters shut. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I got pink eye. I'm like, look it up, the symptoms. Oh, I definitely got pink eye, right? So I like... I text, someone fart in your they, eye? Well, I, that's what I was wondering. I was like, well, I cleaned up a lot of dog shit in the spring. <laughs> so maybe I touched my eye after. Oh. I don't know. So anyway, oh. I, luckily, I, I know my optometrist's uh, family friend. So I texted him. I was like, hey, I was like... Uh, you know, what should I do if I think I have pink eye and he like tell me to get these drops, right? And he's like, I'm not in until tomorrow, but come see me if it doesn't clear up or whatever. Right. So I get these drops and it helps a little bit. And I wake up Tuesday morning, I could see better. It's like my eye's not as red, but my eyelid's still like swollen and pink and shit. And uh, so I go in, you know, four o'clock to five minutes in there. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you don't have pink eye. I was like, thank God, because I stayed home for two days. <laughs> I got I got two days off for not having pink eye. Oh, but good man. guy me didn't want to fucking be Mr. Contagious, disgusting pink eye guy at work. Yeah. That's so yeah, it turns out I just got a big old sty that's infected. So Yikes. I got some antibiotics. It doesn't look terrible now, does it? No. I mean, you just look like you're headed to a poker game or something. Yeah, maybe. Or, or um, uh, what's his name? Bob McCowan now. <laughs> oh, yeah, primetime sports with Bob yeah. McCowan. Um, yeah, I've, I've had some eye troubles as well uh, in the past. For, for those of you that, that know me, you'll know I'm severely fucking blind. Uh, for anyone that actually understands how that works, I'm a negative 6.5 in both eyes. So people are like driving around or doing chores at home right now going, holy fuck, did he just say negative 6.5? Yeah, negative 6.5, Coke bottles. So (laughs) I've had some eye troubles myself and most of my eye troubles, the worst one was when I scratched my cornea. Oh yeah. Like a pretty bad scratch. And basically, look at the cat right there trying to get some food. Fucking guy. Get out of here, cat. Anyway, um, it was because I left my contacts in for like over two two months, two and a half, three months. I left my contacts in, didn't take them out ever. 
Just two months. Oh fuck yeah, man! How I, old were you, dude? I used to be notorious. I thought I remember seeing you. You had that because it was a big red line on your fucking eye, wasn't it? Well, sure. I couldn't tell you exactly when it happened. I mean, I don't think you and I were really chummy, chummy at that point I don't in time. Know. I don't but either way, I might have seen you here or there. You might have caught me. If you remember it, that's I'm. I'm I think I distinctly remember your eye being all that. Oh, up. it was fucked. Like it was totally fucked. I had to play sports with my glasses on, which was terrible. And I mean, like, I don't know. Maybe from the ages of like. 18 to 22 or 23 years old i exclusively wore my contacts the only time i took my contacts out was to put a fresh pair in ah and you know they're monthly so you're supposed to take them out every night put them in the thing put them in the sauce you You didn't do that at all didn't do that ever and then you know because of that fact though they you think that they would last less like you think i'd be swapping them out every 15 or 20 days no not the case swap them out every like 60 days jesus 60, 65, 70 days, I'd swap out new ones, but then I scratched my fucking cornea, and that was the end of that. So ah, yeah, Learn your lesson the hard way. Yeah, I got some good glasses. It's funny, too, because I went into the optometrist. So this is how, a testament how good my eyes are. I hadn't been there since 2005. So Wow. Yeah. Okay. They were like digging up my file, dusting it off. Oh, you're not, you don't live at your parents' house anymore, do you? No, I don't. No, <laughs> I'm going to update my address. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Okay, listen, uh, off the rails there with the sunglasses. Sorry, I, I came out of left field at you. I don't know what you were talking about, but I was saying, I believe that, or I was about to say that the Kawhi Leonard, the shot 2019, is probably number one. I would say so, like in, in modern day Toronto sports, because there's not there's nothing in comparison. Like I said, the bat flip isn't quite there. Um, you know, it's this whole series clinching, one shot. And I think the um, the comparison uh, to the, the previous time they lost to the 76ers in the second round with Vince, graduation day curse, yeah. missing that shot, you know, I think that, that really increases the magnitude for fans but i was i was stunned and like i i'm not mr basketball okay like i watch a a casual game here and there and i'll watch the playoffs most of it yeah i'm the same and but i was sweating in the last three minutes of those games my palms were sweating my feet were sweating like i was i was anxious watching because they i didn't feel like they played that good and Kawhi really turned it up and it was it was weird because it came down to one play and 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 i even thought like this is going ot like you know somebody's gonna throw up a brick yeah, and and it and just the fashion it went into that that double what triple bounce four bounces four before bounces. it goes in yeah and it's so quiet like on the I broadcast know. you can hear the, the yeah when it hits the rim my my fiance and I were watching it she's like oh fucking baby no basketball I'm like no fucking yes basketball put it on kind of like you with the pasta remember when hey do you want pasta no fuck pasta i hate pasta not fuck him fuck pasta we're never having pasta again it was kind of the same scenario with the with with the basketball i said baby it's 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 game seven and you know it's it's the and i always get my buddies to shoot me a text uh i said you know any any of you guys that are watching the game can you let me know if it's tight with the you know three or five minutes and that was interesting too because most of the series was was lopsided victories one way or the other it was one way or the other it's like it seemed every other night the raptors had it or they didn't yeah so for this game to be it was pretty sloppy it was low scoring it was a high defensive uh play they were grinding it out i know and and you know what i gotta give a huge credit to abaca who i'm pretty sure they were almost ran out of town last year yeah and he came up huge started nailing some threes uh, Kyle Lowry with some clutch defensive play and steals. Speaking of nailing threes, I want to ask you something. It, it, hopefully you've got the memory for it. And some of our listeners, big Raptor fans, I know there's a couple out there, like they'll remember. 
Kawhi took a terrible shot, a terribly timed three-point attempt, which after the miss, and I can't remember exactly what happened, whether it went like off the rim and out of bounds, or if Philly got the rebound and took a timeout. Either way, when Kawhi shot it, I said out loud, what is he doing? And then it missed. And then Philly got the ball. And it was. They took a timeout. And there was 24.1 seconds left, which is literally the shot clock. That was after the uh, three free throw? No, it was not after the free throw. Because it was a three-point attempt that Kawhi took. So earlier in the game. Early, well, with 24 seconds left. 24 seconds left. Yeah, it was the left. free throw. Because he, he was on the, three, uh, on the free throw line with 24 seconds. He got one, missed the other. And then he had to, uh, then they went down and scored to tie it. Well, I must be out to lunch on something because I remember specifically a time where There was I, lots of times I, where there was bad threes taken. I was very surprised, he was, but, but it was specifically because of the amount of time left. There was 24, and I, because I, ex- I had to explain it to Kirsty. Right. I was like, okay, so here, the, the teams have 24 seconds to shoot the ball and they have to hit the rim. If they don't, it's a violation. So in essence now Toronto has you know given Philly the ball with enough time remaining to run out the clock to and run shoot the a fucking three. clock yeah. out and shoot anything. Yeah. So like I I don't know I was I was surprised with it but I'd have to watch the tape again and find out whatever it was the yeah. fucking three. Th- they three couldn't shoot one. threes like I watched a lot of game 6 and 7 and they couldn't shoot anything like they were missing threes that crazy was driving me nuts and they're uncontested threes for the most part yeah like philly was just like yeah i'll let you shoot a three you can't fucking hit him anyway well like that danny green one yeah well i think he had one in attempt game, in, in great game, game well, seven like, and game four or five earlier in the series when they had a chance to really salt it away and he missed an open yeah. three with no one around him it was an interesting coaching adjustment too by nick nurse in that he took danny green out of that game for the most part and decided to go big he had gasol and Ibaka on the court at the same time you know it's funny how they kind of uh rely heavily on the three ball it's almost it's kind of similar to how the jays when they were making runs that we were just talking about what did the Jays rely on during those runs? Just dingers. Ding-dongs. <laughs> yeah. So, like, all they were waiting for was the home run, and the Jose Batflip was a home run, and the Edwin Encarnacion fucking parrot walk-off. Yeah, yeah. That was a sweep anyway, but, like, he walked them off. Yeah. So, like, those are big moments and all counting on fucking homers, and, you know, the, the Raptors are out there just making, trying to make it rain with the three ball. Yeah, and they eventually made an adjustment and started grinding it out, so good on them to uh to kind of recognize what was happening in that game and that they just didn't have it as far as the three ball was concerned but uh yeah definitely a, a incredible moment like I'll, I'll remember that forever um i was you know right up out of my seat uh you know and like i said not mr basketball but i mean whether or not you're a sports fan you can appreciate that like even my parents were watching that yeah. game they don't even like basketball no, at all really i don't even like it either yeah. i'm the same as you kind and of apparently casual. it was the most most viewed, I think, uh, Sportsnet put out that was the most viewed basketball game in, in Canadian history. Canadian history, so, yeah. Which and doesn't surprise me at all. You consider, like I said, game seven, second round magnitude of that game. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Kawhi, whether or not he stays or walks, I mean, he's given us given us something to be happy about. And, of course, there's more games to be played. Well, it's funny that you mentioned, too, like your parents don't even watch it. And there they are watching it. Not so much for me because... For me, I was basically forcing Kirsty to watch yeah. it, but my I, wife was sleeping. But I can always gauge the excitement of a moment. Like, what is the excitement level of this moment? Is it only a ten out of ten because Josh Coleman thinks it's a ten out of ten, and I'm a sports guy? 
No. You want to know why I know it was a 10 out of 10? Because I had a little blondie beside me going, oh, yeah, like it was crazy. Yeah, because it, it would anybody could get into that <laughs> moment if you were watching. Like you could get into it, and like even if you're not a, a fan per se of the Raptors, obviously you might be rooting with them because you're Canadian or whatever. But yeah. uh, I mean, Raptors, you got to say like they're the you know the quintessential like Canada's team as well. Like they, there's no fanboys essentially in basketball around here i mean sure some young guys might be a fan of, of golden state or lebron or whatever because they've been dominate forever sure but a lot of people just default to the raptors because that's just what we do right well are they the are they the best example of canada's team well they have to be because well it would be either I, them or the, the jays yeah the right? jays but i guess right now and, and I guess we're talking right now, today, because the Raptors are in it and they're relevant, unlike the Blue Jays. Right. They've got to be Canada's team, right? It has to be, It's a yeah. team that, uh, you know, I would say like 90, you got to figure 95% of basketball fans in this country are, are pulling for them. And then you got to think about the casual fans and the bandwagoners. They're pulling and, for a player. Like, I mean, like LeBron or I like Curry or I like, you know, Durant. Yeah, I mean, or, they yeah. could have made fans, you know, they might have made new, like hundreds or upon thousands of new fans just based on that game and that experience. Because that, I mean, that, it was so rare that there's never been a buzzer beater in game sevens in basketball history. It's never happened before. It's the first time it's ever happened. And I also looked up the stats what? on Game 7s in basketball are way fewer frequency than in the NHL. Are because, you sure? And that's because basketball is very lopsided, right? Yes. The playoffs are very predictable. But there's less parity. There's way less parity, right? But Game 7, no buzzer no beaters? No buzzer beaters in Game 7 no history. Way, so that was the man. first in Game 7 history. So no way. Not only did Kawhi make history for the Raptors, but he what? also did it in terms of the NBA. I'm and, Googling this as we speak. Yeah. Game seven. What did you say? It's it's, uh, buzzer Buzzer beaters beaters. in NBA game sevens. NBA game seven buzzer beaters. Yeah. Uh, And I've I've talked about it a lot here, and and you know I've mentioned several times that this Kawhi Leonard guy is just a a beauty of a human being. Like he's in even in terms of not just a basketball player, but a pro athlete the way that guy carries himself i absolutely yeah love it. i know you, he's the perfect guy for a pressure cooker environment you know he he doesn't bat an eye at it yeah you're the you're a big big supporter of that eh? and i i agree and i you knew a little bit more about it than i did because you know i think while we both say we're the casual fan etc i am even more so to the point where like i need someone to text me to tell me <laughs> that hey it's good you should turn it on right now I just I just can't watch it. And even if I tune in with like four or five minutes to go, you think that should be enough time? It ain't. Because yeah. four or five minutes is going to be fucking 45 minutes. Yeah. I'd you say know? during the season, I might watch a fourth quarter most often than, than anything else. But in the playoffs, at least, it's much like a hockey playoffs in that, you know, every shot is important. And it's the same goes with a basketball playoff game. Because like, fuck, for that, for that scenario to occur in that game... So many things had to happen. Kawhi had to miss that three free throw. Um, Philly had to go back and tie it at, at, with two. You know they had to get that inbound. Like it was. There's so many things that that lead up to that that could have changed the course of that game. So it was pretty cool to see some emotion out of the guy too, because he even said in his own press conference, he's like, "I'm the kind of guy who acts like I've been here before," which is a perfect descriptor for that guy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Just just for, furthermore to this whole Game 7 thing, I saw this uh, thing that says uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard joins MJ. 
whereas a Kawhi Leonard joins MJ in NBA history with Game 7 buzzer beater. But then there's comments on it where it says Kawhi is the first one to do it in a seven-game series. So back when MJ was doing it, was it in what were those series, it was a series clincher five games five game yeah it would be a five game because I used to, I think it was the first couple rounds used to be five games or something. yeah see so people are right. people are putting so the it's the asterisk. first in a game seven but but it's not the first series clinching yeah. buzzer beater okay. winner takes all right. that's what the video should say joins Michael Jordan in a winner take yeah. all buzzer beater so wow I, I still find that crazy and he's not only beating uh crazy. the records he's putting up like the amount of points uh uh the total number of points i guess for a player in the playoffs too he's like breaking records in that regard as well uh so it's it's um as toronto raptors fans or if you're a toronto sports fan we have something special on our hands that we might not necessarily have seen where you have arguably a, a top five league player and who's also, you know, contributing heavily to a deep run. So jump on the bag wagon and enjoy it. And I mean, if if we keep up with all this raps talk, we might have to change this to balls deep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, I love it. I love it. Nice one, man. Nice one. So uh, we'll we'll use it as a perfect segue. But one last final thought on it: Is he coming back? You know, it. it he seems like the type of guy who probably might already have his mind made up. But I mean, this run can't can't hurt. And you got to think, MLSC is a world class organization. They're doing everything in their power. Who the fuck wants to, to live in Toronto this guy? as an NBA star? That's that's the thing is I don't know. And he's he's from the south. He's from California. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, I was just gonna say we need a Canadian from Toronto who's amazing at basketball, one of the league's top five players, and we need him to come home. So now, what I wonder about Kawhi is that he likes to fly under the radar. He is a quiet guy. He doesn't want all this this uh, attention of L.A. or a big market necessarily. He wants to win basketball games. So if the Raptors prove to him that they have a plan to surround him and and keep this team strong, he could be a little hero. He might. Well, he might like flying under the radar. Yeah. yeah, you're a big deal in Canada. Yeah, but like. Yeah, he gets lots of coverage in the U.S., but not as much as he did if, say, he played New York or Chicago yeah, or no, absolutely. Boston, so right? So he'll be a fucking hero as in the GTA. But he's still low-key in the grand scheme in of the, the league. In the grand scheme, yeah. Which might work with his personality. So It's true. I think there's a chance. And if they if they go to the NBA Finals, I don't see why he wouldn't at least consider listening to what they have to offer. Because you got to think MLSE will throw everything but the kitchen sink at this guy. <laughs> Balls deep. <laughs> okay. Balls deep, episode 34. Moving right along. What do you got going on this weekend? You got plans? Long weekend. May 2-4. I know. Bye. May 2-4. My favorite weekend of the year. I go on an uh, usually annual, annual trout fishing trip with my cousin and a couple lads. Uh, nice. It happens to be my uh, buddy's bachelor party that I put together as the best man. Not a big deal. And wow, no need to brag or anything. I know. So I rented out a beautiful fishing camp, private lake, 400-acre property. Big old speckled trout in there, apparently. Sick. Apparently. So I'm trying not to overhype it too hard to the boys, but like it I've look, got high it's hopes. It's looking good. And like my, my buddy's a big-time fisherman, so like I, I my main mission was to put him on fish. I'm yeah, like, do yeah. you want to go to the, the strippers and party it up in the city, or do you want to like go on a sick fishing trip? I was like... You know I can make anything happen, right? Yeah. So especially the fishing trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially that, I guess. Right on. You guys bringing up the four buys or anything too, or what? Yeah, bring out the bike, bring up the boats. Um, nice. I don't know how sober I'll be to drive the bike, so right. I've considered leaving it at home. But yeah, yeah, you know, 
trolling motor on the boat, you can only go so fast. Yeah, well, so. that's fine. I only have your house insurance. I don't care what you do in your vehicles. <laughs> I don't care what you do in your vehicles, man. Oh, good one. What about you, man? Uh, well, I got uh, the wifey coming home from school. We're still doing that thing, eh? Like, we're almost done. She's almost done. She's. Uh, I talk about her all the time on the podcast. She'll be maybe not too happy with me for telling her life story here. But basically, she's been at school for the last two years for nurse practitioner. Fucking heavy-ass workload. I'm basically just a pawn in the game. Just trying to keep her on point. She's busy. She's super fucking stressed. She comes home when she can. I go down there to visit to you know keep her sane of mind because she's lonely and all this stuff. So she's finally coming down to the end of it. She's going to be home this weekend. Uh, she won't be home for good until the end of August. So I'm stag for the summer. I uh, got the puppy coming though. Uh, oh yeah. June 8th, picking up the puppy. So I'm excited about that. Kind of increase the family size. But yeah, this weekend she's coming home. We were really hoping to get some yard work done and shit because it looks pretty crappy out there. There's a lot of sticks and branches around that need cleaning so actually nice with all them perennials you got yeah the, per- up, the perennials are nice but eventually they're 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 perennials for a reason they'll be they'll be gone <laughs> and it'll be next year by the time they come back so yard work is in in uh, in the forecast for me if the weather is good but first and foremost dude i'm 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 looking at the pga championship i don't know if you noticed here you probably haven't because it's over on my side but look at holy I got shit all my notes for uh how i'm going to select uh my players for my huge uh for my huge golf pool that i'm in it's pretty sweet man and if anyone out there uh if any of our listeners are big golf fans or at least you know you get into golf pools because let me tell you man in fantasy golf is a way to go because of the fact that you you could pick three out of the seven guys that no one else really picked and those three guys all kill it that week you kind of you don't really know so golf is a pretty good way to make some money uh, in fantasy, if you do a little bit of homework, like, okay, Beth Page Black is a super long course, so and the rough is extremely penalizing, and the fairways are short. So do I want a long hitter, or do I want a super accurate hitter? You got to try and find, you know, that's where my notes are. Okay, who's long and fairly accurate? Right. And then I found those guys and said, oh, fuck, that guy's in a group of idiots. I'm going to pick him. But I don't think other people are going to pick him. Because he's, he's not a huge name. Not a big name. Yeah. Not a big name, yeah. So there's money to be won in golf, but... Um, I can't even remember exactly what I was going to say to the listeners about golf, but anyway, oh, uh, if you want to get into the pool, shoot me a message on, uh, on, on Twitter cause it's a yearly thing and the pool just grows in size. And I won, uh, the, I won the masters that year. And then I also won the overall. So it goes by money, right? Like however much money all your players earned that goes to, to you, Adam, let's go. And then at the end of the year, they have an overall prize, based on however, you know, however everybody did in the standings. So the one year I won the master's pool, I won 550 bucks for winning the master's pool. Then strictly based on my master's victory and finishing, you know, average to above average on the other majors, I also won the overall, which was an additional 300 bucks. Nice. So I won $850 on a, on a $45 entry, which every, you know, every time there's a major tournament, the guy sends sends out a mass email with the link to click on. You click on the link and just fucking boom, 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 make your picks and and that's it. So I'm always really looking forward to watching golf now, especially because of that fantasy pool that I'm in. Because well, now Tiger's content. Well, Tiger, so, of course, yeah. of course. I'm the biggest Tiger fan you've ever met. I got shirts. Farrell still has them. Farrell, if you're listening, give me my fucking shirts. I already paid for them. <laughs> uh, they're, they're, they're like these hilarious shirts of Tiger with the fist pump. It says like Sundays are great again. 
You know, like I think it might be from Bar Down or some kind of company like that that just makes these funny shirts. But uh, but yeah, I'll be I'll be eyes glued to the TV at least. You know, Sunday uh, Sunday late afternoon. You hear that cow moo in the background? No, it wasn't a moo. It was the vibrate of my phone. Are you sure? Yeah. Oh, Could gonna, have been a cow moo. I think though. it might have been a cow. There's a lot of cows next to it. Pretty door. fucking loud. They're pretty <laughs> fucking loud. All right. So yeah, PGA Championship. Lots of. Uh, Lots of uh, yard work. I'll be thinking about you on the boat while I'm out there fucking trying to burn some brush. Yeah, I don't think you can burn either. There's fire banks of uh, flooding, which what? doesn't really make a lot of sense, <laughs> right? It's because sense? they don't want first res- re- first responders tied up with other shit because oh, right. they're all sandbagging right now. So. Sandbagging sons yeah. of bitches. I, we're still on flood watch. I'm here in Pembroke, Ontario, in case anybody was wondering. All kinds of uh, damage going on. Our beautiful waterfront just eating shit right yeah. now, unfortunately. And it looks like it's going to be a while before uh, before our, our parks and facilities open up and hopefully uh, get cleaned up. I'm pissed that you told me that because now I know that I can't have the fire. I shouldn't have told you. You so shouldn't you have just, told. You just yeah. burned shit. I would have burned it. Someone would have came out and been like, man, come on. You can't be doing that. And I would have shown them the fucking burn, the burn permit, which is tacked up on the fridge right there. Eh, bad burn. God burn. Oh. All right. Now it's fucking documented, though. It's on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you knew I, about it. I, I listened to the podcast, and you knew about it. I did that you don't listen to the fucking you know, podcast. firefighters who listen to the podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shit. All right, bro. Well, we're half an hour in, and we haven't talked any hockey. Not do you, one Do you lick. want to just wrap it up right now yes, and fucking Balls start, in deep. Episode start, 34 is, start, is over. Yeah, start fresh on the hockey talk. No, we'll jump right in. Sure. We got a little bit of stuff to get to. The game is uh, on tonight, uh, game three. Uh, St. Louis, San Jose. Now, I guess I just brought them up, so we might as well skip right to that one. Let's go real quick. Um, great series. Again, there's something about St. Louis. I fucking love the St. Louis crowd. I just love it. I think they're the best. I think they're the best in the playoffs. I think they were the best in the playoffs last time they were in, the time before that. Anytime the Blues are in the fucking playoffs, I am fully on board like i'm not like a bandwagon fan go blues go but i love it i just love tuning in i can't wait to watch the games because they're so electric well they they've have excellent fans and if you think about you know the teams remaining they've been around since the 70s was it late 60s 70s yeah they were 67 and, and have nothing to show for it well they have finals appearances but they don't really count in my opinion because they were in the newly minted uh, I can't remember what the division was. Well, it, was called. it was expansion. The whole division was expansion yes. teams, and yeah. the winner of that division got a spot in the Stanley Cup final. That's right. That's so right. They didn't really. They never had to go up against you know the Montreals, the Torontos. Well, they never had to actually go up against anybody. They only had to beat the other expansion, expansion teams, teams and yeah. then lose in four games to the Bruins. Yeah, that's definitely a twice uh, like a wind-starved market, I would say, and, you know, on the hockey front. And they've got a, uh, some long-standing, dedicated fans there. And, I mean, I, I really liked – I like the composition of their club. I love the story. Like I, I you know I mentioned, I think, on a previous episode that I'm kind of kind of rooting for them. At the same time, I don't care really at the end of the day. And if San Jose wins, Joe Thornton's got a shot at a cup, which great is stories. fantastic. Yeah, and, you stories. know, I, I would have liked to see them win last time they were in the finals against Sid and the Pens and mm-hmm. ended up losing that series. Uh, but the Blues, you gotta love. You gotta love that team. Um, the composition of the roster. They got lots of phenomenal hockey players, and despite not being as experienced as the Sharks, they do have long tenured, experienced guys. And guys that maybe not experienced winning at the NHL level, but have been successful on the international stage. Guys like say O'Reilly, Tarasenko. You yeah. know what I mean? So there's a lot of good leaders in that room. And you know, I I I don't know if I mentioned this previously, but I think 
they're going to go as far as Binnington can take them, and it seems that sky's the limit for him because the wheels aren't coming off anytime soon. Yeah, he's playing well. I mean, the the series is, I mean, are you going to be surprised at all if the series doesn't go, uh, or sorry, are you going to be surprised if the series goes, uh, you know, the distance? Uh, it I, seems like something that's going to go seven because I don't really see, I don't see a clear advantage other than maybe star power on San Jose. Not to say St. Louis doesn't have any stars, just maybe more well-established and experienced stars at the end of the day on on the San Jose Sharks team. Um, they have been in a deep playoff run, so there might be uh, a playoff-specific experience edge. And you talk about uh, Jordan Bennington. I, I, I saw something pretty interesting. I don't know if you noticed. I only put it in the prep just a, a, a maybe an hour or so before you came here, so you probably didn't see it yet. But um, the story about how he found his way into the net uh, which I thought was pretty interesting. So when he was eight years old, he was playing as a, as a skater. And um, one of the kids at the at a three-on-three summer league, which is where he was playing in Toronto, uh, the goalie didn't show up. So his dad got some gear from somewhere in the arena, and Jordan played nets that game and was really good. And the parents for the other kids, and you got to remember, this is a summer three-on-three league. So this is likely more of the top-level skaters, right? You know what I mean? Like your your recreation house league guys aren't probably yeah, probably got a bunch of triple kids. And yeah, stuff, they're probably yeah. not playing in the summer, you know. So, and I guess they they said too in the article that Jordan was a phenomenal skater. So his father thought for sure that he was going to be a a forward. If anything, you know, if he was going to make it anywhere, he was going to be a forward. But he played goalie as an eight year old in that three on three league, which I also find strange, by the way, that there was eight year olds in a three on three. Yeah, league, really, that's right? Intense. That's intense. Yeah, but anyway, that's the GTA for you. Um, so he played really well. Parents uh, from the other kids were saying, "Hey." Uh, John, who is Jordan's dad, I said, John, Jordan was fantastic. Have you thought about keeping him in the nets? And his dad said, well, not really. He hasn't said anything about it. Then later, uh, the coach for the Vaughn Rangers, which is uh, obviously a, a top team in the GTHL. So now we're talking the triple A's. Yeah, league, right? like the biggest triple yeah. A league. And- so a coach from the Vaughn Rangers called uh, John Bennington and asked him if his son would be willing to come out and try out for the team based on some rumblings that he's really good. This is all based on like him just going in because the other goalie wasn't there. Drink some shitty. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So he ends up getting the call and just one more point on it, which was the probably the best part about it is uh, the coach. His name is, well, I don't know if he still is or whatever, but his coach, the coach was uh, Mike Valoscuro and Mike Valoscuro says, uh, He's quoted in the article as saying that he knew that Jordan was built for the crease because the first shot that he faced in tryouts for the Vaughn Rangers was directly off the face. And allegedly, Bennington didn't even fucking flinch at it. He just took it in the face and kept going. See, that's cool because that's one of the storylines that's kind of followed him throughout this run is that he he doesn't get shook. He seems pretty well-grounded and he's, he's very composed and... Um, you know, you don't need to look any farther than say a Carey Price, call, yeah. call me Price to, to know that that's a, a, a perfect trait to have in a guy who's going to attend the net because you really can't get shook. I mean, you can't get 
distracted or off focus during during a play during a game anything i mean you got to be dialed in all the time if you're going to be a successful goaltender well they asked his dad about the confidence thing and, and his dad uh, just at the end of the article i thought it was a good way to end the article he said uh, don't be fooled by his demeanor because he is the most competitive person i know of course he's his son but he says he's extremely competitive he wants this more than anybody but he said the reason why jordan is unflappable is because there's still work to do. Hmm. So while that double overtime focus on the big picture, yeah, because yeah, the, there great? was that clip of him not selling when they won the series, <laughs> he right? Care. He just he just kind of went net and just skated of his net, not a big deal. Two more rounds to go. And I mean, if if you're a guy like that, I mean, you, you want to get caught up in the moment, enjoy the moment, but you're also like in his situation, especially. You're a, a groin injury from maybe never playing the NHL again, True. or getting sent down, or losing your aspiring job. So like, or getting you, lit up, you and really, having a bad start. And you I know. think that mentality that you spoke about is important as being focused on the big picture here, right? You know, winning your career, even though it's like you always say, take it game by game. But it shows that you, um, very good at compartmentalizing certain yeah. aspects of the game and and shifting your focus. Um, where it needs, where your attention needs to be, well, especially whether it's on as the game goalie. or whether it's on the bigger picture. Like, especially as the goalie too, right? I mean, you are the only player out there that's on the ice 60 minutes or more or less if you get pulled for the extra attacker. But you're out there the entire time. There's no changing on the bench. There's no going over there to get your mind right. There's no going over there to have the coach say, come on, Adam, you can't go up the middle with that. You know that. It's got to be off the window. You're not getting coached on the fly. You don't get anything. You just have to be there in your mind. And again, I know I talk about me doing it. I just do it at a recreational level. But there are things that you can relate. Now that I've been in the net and seen mm. guys go roof on me and seen, seen a shot go off the knob on my stick and, and well, how it affects you mentally right yeah Throughout the game i see I, mean, I i think to myself man how do these guys do it I've, sometimes? I've known so many goaltenders throughout my life who are incredibly hard on themselves and you could always tell when something got to them and got them shook whereas like i feel you really need to be able to let go and move on off a bad goal or even a loss because yeah. if you're carrying that that shit with you mentally into another game it's it's only going to hinder your confidence and and i figure your performance at the end of the day so with this series uh primed to be going deep and the bruins series potentially being over tomorrow oh is that ever looking over i mean geez man that how long are they going to be off like nine days ten days that's what I heard them talking yeah. about on the radio. If, today. if this, if assuming San Jose, St. Louis goes seven, yeah, it could be a, a incredibly long layover for them. And like the Bruins and Canes started their series before, yeah, the Sharks and the Blues. All oh, the Canes doesn't look like they've they've shown up at all yet. I mean, like that the whole rest versus rust uh, debate, I think, is going to be an interesting one going into a Stanley Cup final. I mean, that's that's a weird way to to go into the Stanley Cup final on 10 days rest how do yeah. you fucking get up for that first game yeah I, I thought i was giving that some thought recently that whole rest versus rust and usually err on the side of rest right you're gonna assume that that's the best for your team especially in the playoffs when you know maybe you're dealing with some injuries some guys banged up but wait I think so it, sorry you're saying you want to you want the layoff well you figure you do but yeah. so i i i was gonna bring up when i was listening to chicklets the other day i think biz nasty brought up the fact that um, I don't know where he picked the stat out of. I didn't get to actually look at him and verify because it, it could be complete garbage. But he said something along the lines of 
teams in situations where teams are coming off a sweep versus a team coming off game seven, the team that's gone to game seven has won every time. I did hear that. I didn't hear and it. And it wasn't, a, wasn't a lot of times. It was only like three or four times yeah. in NHL yeah. history. So that was but, circulating though. Right. So that, because the situation I believe was Columbus coming off the sweep, Boston coming out of game seven and right. then defeated them. Yeah. Right. Relatively so, easily. That, it's just a, a pretty interesting, interesting situation, I guess. When, but even because Rod Brindamore said the same thing. Uh, all of a sudden, they'd been playing. Actually, I heard his interview on Sirius Radio. He said, we've been playing playoffs since February. And then all of a sudden, in the biggest game ever, we didn't even fucking show. Yeah. I got to think there's something to be said for being engaged and being in your routines. I think that also means a lot to players and, and you play every the, other day having that that winning mentality and, and especially in the playoffs like you really wouldn't it'd be interesting to hear about what the team plans to do in such a such a long say you did have a week week and a half i mean that's pretty long too it's got to feel like forever you're chomping at the bit to get back at i it. agree but i wonder what teams plan to keep their players engaged and practice wise and nothing is you know comparing. what i mean it, it, like you gotta throw something together to to do your best to make sure your guys stay sharp. I'd, I'd probably hold a practice in an 18,000-seat arena and give out free tickets and tell everyone to be loud. Make, make people come. Make, just do tell everyone, yeah, loud, be loud. I want chants. I want you to boo. I want you to boo the goalie. I want you to do everything you full, can. Full arena experience. Full interactive experience. We're <laughs> going to have funny. the announcer and the music and everything because nothing simulates a game like a game, man. Yeah. I, I And... Uh, it's interesting that we're having this conversation and largely in part that it looks like Carolina is all but done. I mean, this seems to be a pretty major mismatch even in, in game three, when they managed to generate some shots and a lot of scoring chances to garage to shut the door on them. And they don't have enough of that, that clutch finish on that team. Like they, they might have a lot of good players, but they don't have a lot of, you know, going back to the Leafs, uh, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, guys who are going to bury for you, right? Like that are going to score. They're going to score goals and, and sometimes enough goals in a game where you're getting badly outplayed to help you win that game anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like talking about game breakers because obviously game breakers are super important. Every team at this point in the playoffs has some, you know, some of them have several. You know, you look at Carolina and how many game breakers do you see? Yeah, Sebastian Ajo, probably the only real one that stands out on that on that superstar level. One, right? That's um, it. You know, you could argue for make an argument for Justin Williams, but let's be honest, Justin Williams, He's Mr. Not, game Seven, not what he once was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. If only you could treat it like a Game Seven, eh, as they say. <laughs> yeah. um, speaking of uh, Justin Williams, how about those penalties that he took? Three, Man, I I can't believe like a vet like Williams, who's probably seen it all, and and he's played a lot of playoff games for him to. To have really gotten off his game, and I, you know, I like to think that it wasn't just Marsha and it's the circumstances and the fact that they're getting beat all over the place. But that was quite the chirp he laid on him. Eh? He was giving, was like saying, like you're the you're the fucking. Well, he he made the C yeah. with, his, with his fingers on his jersey. Was he basically saying like you're the you're the fucking? I, I got you. That's what I think. I got the captain. I got your captain. Uh, up here that's what i think it is i wonder if he was just saying like you're the oh uh, you're just the default c on this team because you play with a bunch of nobodies type <laughs> thing like i like that too but i'm i would i would wager a lot of money on it being hey bro you wear this 
Yeah. You wear you wear the C, but I own, and yeah. now you're going into the box because I, I, I own and your it, head. Like he took those three pounds, like it just it it seems so unlike a guy like Williams to do that. Um, but it, you know I got it, and I not I don't like getting on the officials. We've talked about this before, but fucking Brad Marchand has been getting away with a lot of shit as usual, and and has drawn like an outstanding amount of calls. A, because people are fucking rattled with him and they want to get it into his face. But, like, there was that one the other day where uh, Buddy got called for holding because Marshan like, grabbed a stick for a minute or something. No, that was, was, that was Williams. That was Williams, too? He grabbed that him. was a god-awful call. He, well, well, Marshan got him with the stick. Got him with the in stick. The, in the neck. Yeah, yeah. In his neck. I and know. Williams was pissed. He was like, man, don't fucking put your stick up there. Yeah. You know, if you're going to poke me in <laughs> the leg, And then he gets a holding fine. penalty out of that sequence. Yeah, he grabbed him by the helmet. It's ridiculous. Like, it was ridiculous. Uh, utterly, utterly ridiculous. And you can tell Williams already frustrated. And you imagine after that penalty call, you're even more frustrated. But yeah. you got you got to be able to keep it together. And, and I mean, he, he sucked him in. Like, that's what Marshan does. He sucks guys into that bullshit. And you got to be able to put yourself above that. And, you know, that's the type of shit who might work against some guys and some teams. But I tell you what, it's not going to work against Joe Thornton and the San Jose Sharks or, yeah. you know, yeah, you'd even It'll say, work on Evander Kane. It, it would work on a guy like Evander <laughs> Kane, maybe. But, you know, I wouldn't want to be getting Evander Kane too pissed off at me. No, but I don't think Marshan cares who you are. No, I guess if you got I mean, Big Z backing you up, he's then the pest. What are you going to worry about, right? He's the pest with the best. You, you take know? you take uh, Brad Marchand off, or sorry, uh, Zeno Char off that uh, blue line. Though I got to argue, he's a little less brazen. Even though the league isn't what I it agree, once yeah. was, and nobody's going to come knock him out. No, I agree. But he's definitely got a safety net. Did you uh, Did you see what Williams said after the game? In the talking pro- about poop sandwiches. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> Sometimes you got to eat a poop sandwich. He sounded so defeated too. Like I understand, like after the <laughs> given the circumstances, you're going to be really bummed out and just frustrated. say shit sandwich. They'll beep it. I guess <laughs> poop sandwich. <laughs> oh my god! And then he's like, and then he he, he kind of kept rolling with it. Eh? He's like, you know, you gotta you gotta chew on it a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't taste great, but you got to swallow it and move on. Back to penalties, too. Those two calls on Dougie Hamilton were just atrocious as well. Like, Poop calls. I don't understand how how Boston keeps, like, not only getting away with an inordinate amount of shit, but also getting these kinds of calls against them. Like, that interference call on Dougie Hamilton. was ridiculous. On Backish was the worst call I've ever seen. And I get... In any league of sport officiating-wise. I get pissed about penalties a lot more in the regular season because we see a lot more of these dumb calls and when they're just seemingly wanting to rack up power plays. But how the fuck are these things getting called in the playoffs? It's unacceptable. Like, the one that I'm talking about on on Backish, I don't know if you really remember it. It, it, I guess I can give them a little bit of leeway because real-time, you couldn't necessarily see that Backish had played the puck. Right. But I knew he played the puck because the puck was all of a sudden the puck was there in the corner. There was two guys tied up with it. Backish ended up putting his stick through the Carolina player's legs and whacking it. So he he did play it. Yeah. He just had he had, you know, a maze of just legs. Hard, hard to see. He, yeah. he put his stick through the legs and he whacked it up the boards and then he got drilled. Perfect hit. Perfect hit by Hamilton. And he gets charged for fucking interference. You cannot call that interference when he literally just dumped it out of the zone the other problem especially is that you figure if it's close or you're not sure in the playoffs you defer to not calling yes it's just it's usually the nature of referees from my understanding so it's easier to say sorry man to see that yeah to see that being called 
just is unacceptable. But all things considered, Carolina doesn't really have a hope in hell anyway in this series. I think it's just a, it's too big of a mismatch. They have no answer for Boston's depth, for Boston's first line. And right now, Tuka Rask is playing some of his best hockey in years. Um, I did pull up a few numbers here for you guys. Um, so he... He did have his lightest workload in years this this season. Yaroslav Halak actually scored uh, started forty games, went twenty two eleven and four, posting a nine twenty two, which yeah, is they, outstanding. They, yeah, they split. So and they this did is it a well. little Kawhi Leonard low man, load management type huh. thing. But Rask did also miss time for a bit, a couple minor injuries, and he did leave for personal reasons early in the season. Thanks a lot for the fantasy help right there. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, so right. anyway. Uh, He's playing outstanding for, for Boston right now. I mean, he was a big difference maker, I thought, in the series against the Leafs. Once again, despite being outshot and shit against Carolina, he's been uh, a brick wall for them. Um, the other interesting stat I was able to pull up for this is the previous six cup-winning goalies have all started less than 60 games. So that might be an interesting thing to keep in mind when we're debating Frederick Anderson's workload next season is that 60-game mark could be kind of a magic number. I know we did throw it around a little this year. Would he end up a couple couple over that? Was it sixty two something yeah, like that? Yeah. With injury though, so without the injury, he right. probably would have had. He probably would have more. more. So it also sheds light on the importance of having a you know a back goalie that can not only start a decent amount of games for you, but also win a decent amount. That way, you might be more comfortable rolling him out more in a lack situation. So the last six cup winners correct there's their starters have less than six less than 60 now in some cases that may be due to injury or is that basic basically load management? it was i think it was just less than 60 it was just a statistical thing i don't think okay. it was bringing in the circumstances yeah because i mean realistically if you let's say you only played your backup on back-to-back nights like games where you played the next day right that's probably only going to be what like not even 10 starts for your backup so if you give them all 10 back-to-backs, and that's a lot. You probably only have six, somewhere between six and 10 back-to-backs, um, maybe more. Let's call it 10. That's only 10 games, so you got to find another, what, five to 10 low high to get them into, and that shouldn't be that difficult to do. There's going to be a lot of teams out there that yeah. you can, you know, specifically interconference games. Okay, we're going to play a team that isn't looking so hot from the Western Conference, and we'll play our backup that night because if yeah. we lose the two points, they're going to fucking a team in the Western Conference that no one cares about over I, here. I guess that's the thing too is goaltending's at a premium, so it's having a guy that you know that you're confident in starting in those situations, and that's something the Leafs didn't have the luxury of this year. I mean, I'm pretty sure Garrett Sparks shot his uh, trust there pretty early on in the season, and uh, you know if the organization wasn't willing to give him a second chance, he probably would have been or they hadn't lost those other two goalies on waivers it probably wouldn't have seen as much of them as we as we had to throughout the season i think garrett sparks took his nhl career and threw it off the side of a bridge in san francisco like ron burgundy's burrito or no wait ron burgundy's burrito went it was the dog yeah his burrito <laughs> his burrito went into jack black's face right and then jack black Hunted, hunted the dog Baxter yeah. over the bridge. So that would be a hilarious meme. Jack Black punting Baxter and but, but put Garrett Sparks', Sparks career. career over top of Baxter yeah. and watch him kick it. I mean, the he'll, bridge. he'll have an opportunity obviously to make the club next year, but he's going to get challenged for sure. 
and he will be on the shortest leash of all time when it comes to goaltenders. <laughs> I gotta time, think. Hey, listen, talking about short leashes, can I can I move on to the news and notes? Yeah, absolutely. That's where I'm going. Okay, short leash. Tell me what's up with Ralph Kruger. And before you go on, because I know you were talking about his soccer thing, I want you to tell the listeners about his his soccer connection, right? Because you right. were talking about before. But my first question to you, and I don't want you to forget it, how short is his leash, man? Like, what's what's what are the expectations for Ralph Kruger in Buffalo? It's it's a lot of it's going to depend on the, what kind of off season moves they can make, but they've got to at least contend for a playoff spot next year. And I'm talking in the mix till like game 82. Yeah, but that's that that should that should go for anyone that coaches. That I, team. I think so, but I think that's that's the most logical step because if you look at your the quality of competition the Buffalo Sabers are facing and the divisional aspect of it as well, you can't be like, yeah, they've got to make the playoffs and they've got to win X no, amount of games. It's a wild card, or, or it's like that's it. Put us put us in a build. Let, let's see progress because Buffalo hasn't seen any fucking progress. The most, the biggest step they took was that winning streak at the beginning of the year, but they basically <laughs> no. erased it twenty times over. Jeff Skinner, yeah, I mean they done it again. They could have had a building block <laughs> year this year, but again, they seem to have. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about culture problems, and then they trade O'Reilly, and then it seems this year again there seems to be a lot of resentment and disappointment for the, how that team's season played out. So back to Kruger. So Kruger hired by the Buffalo Sabers. Um, Ralph Kruger. Ralph Kruger. I think it's last pre- coach the Oilers, right? Yes. When they were disappointing. And here is a, an interesting tidbit that I heard yesterday on the Point on Sirius Radio. Greg Wyshynski, who is a writer, longtime writer uh, with ESPN, uh, you might be familiar with him if you ever looked up uh, Puck Daddy. Puck Daddy's not a thing anymore, but when Puck Daddy was a, a, a website. Wyshynski was a big uh, contributor for that. And he's really good on the air. He's very open, talks a lot about some in-depth stuff that he hears. You know, I like that. So he reported that when Kruger was dismissed, he was an interim coach, right? Is that correct? I'm not sure. They they burned through so many coaches. Yeah, good point. So he was there for a short period of time. And when he was dismissed... Wyshynski was saying that the players wanted Kruger back, but management did not. Now, that wouldn't surprise... Does that surprise you? No. No. Because of Oilers' management is very similar to the Sens. What the fuck's going on? Yeah. yeah. So we don't know what's going on with those organizations. We don't know what kind of decision-making process they go through. Uh, smoking cigars, drinking 26-year-old age scotch in the in the cabinet, you know? <laughs> picking picking a coach and getting rid of a guy that the players love. Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm looking forward to this, which I am, this makes me a little bit excited about watching Sabres games and seeing what kind of product we're going to see. Because let's be honest, I think a lot of people, and let's say mostly the casual fan, let's go. I think the casual fan tends to ignore, maybe not ignore, but put a lot less stock into tangibles like coaching and assistant coaching in charge of power play and all these other things. They just kind of look at the on-ice product and say, those guys suck. We've seen it. It's it, there's hard evidence of coaches coming in and ch- fucking changing things. Yeah, immediately. And St. Louis is now in the playoffs still. And that's tied. that's a good testament to what good coaching can do for yeah. you. Because yeah. it's that old it's that old saying that you know a coaching job is to is to get the most he possibly can out of what he's given. Because at the end of the day, you're only given the roster you have. But if that's an underachieving roster, which you could argue the Buffalo Sabres have been, 
I mean, you want to see growth and you want to see improvement. Um, to correct myself from last episode when I was mentioning uh, Ralph Kruger's soccer involvement, I believe he said he, I said he was a coach yeah. in the EPL. As soon as I heard the, sorry to interrupt you, as soon as I heard the announcement that he was hired, I thought of you immediately. I was like, man, yeah. what a time for Let's Go to talk about this guy. Yeah. And then he gets hired. So, so that was, I, didn't, that was cool. I didn't predict it. I just said he was uh, rumored to be possibly coming back. But anyway, so right. he was chairman of Southampton in the English Premier League. Um, whatever chairman does, I'm assuming some kind of management type guy. Well, he sits but, in a chair. Uh, but interesting guy, nonetheless, and uh, you know, like I said, hopefully he can make some noise there in Buffalo. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested. I'd like to talk to a, a Buffalo fan. I don't know if we know any that could come on the show or be a guest. If anyone out there loves the Sabers, throw us a tweet. I want to know what the fans' expectations are, and I don't mean the team and where they will finish. And I know that sounds weird because you might say, well, what the fuck do you mean by expectations? I just, I wonder what the fan is anticipating. What are they anticipating? If you could look into the future, what do you think you're going to see? Do you think you're going to see like high speed offensive creativity or are you going to see, you know, three quarters of the season spent doing the trap thing and relying on Eichel to step it up in big moments? Are we going to see a guy like Jack Eichel take a step through to another level or is he going to plateau? Is he going to not perform as well under Kruger? I don't know. I'm really excited to see yeah. how this is going to go because this isn't like, this would be like Paul, um, not Paul Maurice, sorry. This would be like Ron Wilson coming back. Where's Ron Wilson? Sort back? of, but like he doesn't have as much baggage. I mean, he, he was right. with the Oilers when they were bad, but the Oilers had no patience for coaches. I mean, I, I think if I recall when he was brought in, he was anticipated to be a guy who was going to be a good development, young guys, Motivator. Kind of coach, yeah, he's a, right, known as and then same story with Dallas Akins, who they had in for a cup of coffee before they sent him <laughs> packing, right? So I got to think it, though to go back to your question about expectations. Um, I think they expect structure because that's something we haven't seen for the Buffalo Sabers for a number of years under a number of coaches that they haven't been able to seem to buy into a good team structure. And it's not just about what the coach wants to impose on them and say you need to do this. Yeah, it also has to be conducive to the team's playing style. I mean, it has to be something that, that these guys can buy into because their skill set is appropriate for what the coach is prescribing. Yeah, I mean, you have to know what your X's and O's can do. They're, they're just X's and O's on a whiteboard until they are actual human beings. You're not going to take a slow team and tell them to play run and gun stretch pass like yeah. the Leafs do, yeah. right? It's it's just <laughs> you got to find a formula that's going to work for that team and, and you got to figure that Kruger had a good plan coming in and that's part of the reason why they, they hired him because they've, they've clearly gone, you know, take, taking a look at a, a number of guys before they settled on this decision. Uh, two things. One, I like the sunglasses. I think you should wear them every episode. Okay. Well, we're not on TV, so I don't have to look like a dick like Bob McCowan. <laughs> Number two, and this is a, just a rapid fire question at you because you're the one that just said stretch pass like the Leafs do. With the Babcock thing and the whole media circus and everyone wanting them gone or whatever you want to call it, the hoopla that was, do you think we stretch pass as much next year? Do you think that's going to remain a thing for us? I don't, I don't think it's going to change very much because they have done it for a couple of years now. And I did read into like the analytics as to why they do it. Okay. And because it, it actually, it, it's been, I guess, calculated that it generates more scoring chances and the 
the the scoring opportunities outweigh the turnovers because it does lead to a lot of turnovers and that's sometimes the frustration right. because teams can break it up especially if you're not doing it right and we don't necessarily have the the strongest defensive decor back there to to, to, to deal with turnovers to deal with turnovers right yeah. but you have the offensive personnel and that's what they've really catered their blue line to is puck moving defensemen yes. that's the whole nhl is going that direction yeah as well. ag- agreed yeah i agree so my secondary question i don't know this and i feel badly because as big lee fans like we are i feel like i should know this but i don't maybe you do do the marley's stretch pass like that i don't know because i don't watch enough of their games yeah, me neither yeah. I, I i want that's my homework um i know yeah. a couple of guys in our groups that that really watch a lot of marley's and i want to ask them about their, their their structure i wonder if that's uh you know, because if they do, let's just say that they do. It wouldn't surprise me lot. just because I know that the the whole idea between the Leafs development model is to have consistency in terms of style and play style and everything all the way throughout. And which the, the where I was going with it is a Dubis thing. So it would be a little bit more of a Dubis money ball situation where he believes that given these statistics and these guys, we should have success. Right. It's kind of similar in that sense. Only money ball, they were literally just trying to pinch pennies and yeah. not spend any whereas in this one we're not trying to pinch pennies we're trying to find guys that are you know um easy to handle as far as their cap hit is concerned and their ability to play the style can play the style yeah so if it was a dubis thing then i would assume that the marley's do stretch pass because of the people that they put in place to do that the draft picks that kyle dubis selects to play for the marley's the trades that he makes to bring guys in and like you said then it's it's in, it's conducive to their style they're coached by sheldon keith who does a great job there and then they move up the ranks to the Leafs and Babcock had a very, very similar situation with Grand Rapids and the Detroit Red Wings. They had Jeff Blashill down there coaching the same style so that whenever Babcock had to reach down and pick up some of the guys, Luke Glendennings of the world, etc., they'd come up into the Red Wings and fit right in. Right. It's to uh, have a bit more of a seamless transition, but it's also that so that you can see, um, you can see how these guys play in, under such a system, right? So you, you, if you're constantly evaluating your talent for their NHL potential or their fit on the club, say you're knocking on the door, yeah, um, you have to be able to to flourish in the in a similar environment at a higher level as well. Because I wonder if a guy like Jake Muzzin would have any sort of um, like, do you think he he would have the ability to? you know, put his hand on the rope and just kind of reach out to Babcock and say, listen, I don't understand what you guys are doing with this. Either I need to figure out how to play this style. Cause of course he came over late in the season. It wasn't quite at the trade deadline, but it was about three weeks before. Right. right? So that's still in the second half of the season. So I wonder if like Jake Muzzin, cause I don't know if you would agree, Lesko, but I think it was pretty evident that Muzzin kind of came in and was like what the fuck is going on mm-hmm. like i don't think he was super on board with the whole stretch pass turn on my heels and you know defend if it wasn't a good pass yeah um, so i wonder do you think there's any kind of dialogue between a veteran guy that has won the cup and a veteran coach that has won the cup or does the coach just say hey jake why don't you go sit in your fucking stall over there and do what i tell you well i think you know as a veteran guy you're coming in and you are trying to 
cater your your style to the team's style. You want to fit in as best you can because that's often going to dictate your minutes and your success. So, and I think a guy with a good head on his shoulders like Muzzin, you know, goes in there fully knowing that he's going to have to make some changes. He wants to learn what the systems are. I mean, that's kind of the first thing you want to do yeah. uh, to aid you in your transition to a new team. Well, especially mid-season. I, I kind of, I should have been more specific. I kind of mean like, you know, in the off season and going into camp next Oh yeah, he's year. definitely he's definitely going to uh, want to like Let's get on the same page. He's going, yeah, he wants to make sure he's on the same page and I'm sure a guy like Muzzin too has would have a, carry enough weight based on his his veteran status and his experience to say, "Hey, you know, I think this doesn't work so well or run this up the ladder. Yeah. What do you think about that?" Um, cuz he's a guy who's been successful and and you have to uh yeah, you have to kind of incorporate the best of ideas no matter where they come from. So just quickly before we move on, I, I assume we're hitting Leafs next. Yeah, I mean, we, we're right here, right? Yeah, so we're, at, we're a couple, at a couple notes we're, here. We're at, an, we're at an hour, but just quickly before we get to the Leafs, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but I dropped that Moneyball reference in there. Did you read a uh, friend of the show, Laura Duarte's uh, recent tweet about Moneyball? I did not. So she wrote on Twitter, um, a... The, the best way to measure the success of a podcast is by how many times they reference Moneyball. So <laughs> I responded to her quickly and I said, well, I guess we're slacking then. And first episode. Well, you mentioned since, it a few times. It, think, yeah, uh, it, yeah, we have mentioned it. It, it, it. it is kind of a funny comparison, though, in the sense that that actually happened. That well, actually happened and they did that. And it it almost worked, man. Yeah, You know, yeah. it almost worked for them. Now, that's a much different scenario. Baseball, and you could not even have guys. seen it. Or read the book and know what you're referring to because it's it's it's, it's almost overused or cliche now when it comes to sports and yeah. especially on the the dawn of analytics in yeah. recent years. So that so. one's for you, Laura. Uh, okay, one interesting thing I did pick up uh, this week about the Leafs was actually not really anything to do with the actual team, but this guy okay went on the ultimate roadie. Um, all 89 Leafs games this year he attended. So every road game, every home game. And also every playoff game. And he had some pretty cool stories. So if, if you like uh, reading about that kind of stuff, um, this guy met a lot of people and obviously he's experienced every building and city in the NHL now. Um, but Luke Fox of Sportsnet, who does a lot of excellent work there, put up that article. So check that out. Um, this guy must be loaded. Well, that's what I figured. Like, I can't remember what, the, what numbers he was throwing out there. It seemed low, all things considered. But it, it sounds like... He had mentioned like couch surfing. Like I think he was doing this as cheaply as possible. Like I, I'm assuming putting the majority of his money in tickets. And I would have slept in my car. Traveling and staying for, for as little as possible. I mean, but you would have had to take flights every game. Yeah, every game. 89 says. Like that means he would have had to fly. He would have had to been flying out. The guy's loaded. Well, just, yeah. <laughs> he, he must loaded. have. I mean. <laughs> Loaded, I guess so. But you got you got to have decent cash flow. Even going to every home game. I mean, come on. You. At some point, like you know, maybe around game thirty or thirty-five, can the Leafs not just say, "Hey, man, we have another seat back there"? Like, yeah, probably. Uh, why didn't on. nobody from the team like? Maybe something did happen. He did get hooked up here and there. Who knows? But yeah. uh, if I would have known about this guy, I would just sponsor him like the mascot. Just like, yeah, we'll get you some tickets. And- yeah. I mean, they should have bought playoff tickets or something, right? Yeah. I like, that's like- a legendary run. Like, I've never heard of someone doing such a thing. I've heard of someone going, like, on a, you know, a, a few-week roadie to follow the team around yeah. or something. Yeah. or Up the coast or something yeah. like that. Yeah, like the this West is, Coast trip. This is yeah. crazy. So, shout out, shout out to this guy, super fan. I mean, I mean, we're just – we went to a couple games in Ottawa, and that was expensive for me, so <laughs> – <laughs> yeah, I know. Give me your job. No doubt. Mike Wilson is yeah. the guy's name. So 
What a legend. Nice. Yeah. Shout out Mike Wilson. Good job. So uh, we did have some news this week. So Shani was uh, re-signed to a six-year extension as team president. Excellent news. I mean, he's done a wonderful job so far. Um, I think we're all pretty satisfied with that. I wish they would tell us what he's making. See, that uh, That was an interesting conversation. I think we just thrown around why. on Overdrive the other day. It's like if, if GMs and coaches are making in the 5-6 range these days, you know, the top ones, you got to figure he's got to be making like 10-ish. Well, no, hold on. Did, so I was listening to that same thing. Did you hear what Noodles was saying? No. So Noodles, that's Jamie McLennan, uh, for those listeners that don't know. Noodles was saying that he knows a president fairly personally and that president of an undisclosed team that he said was not a major market. Right. But he said the president makes a salary that starts with a two. Interesting. Seems low. That's what I thought. And let's be honest, it can't be twenty million. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. And considering how much the Leafs, the money the Leafs have, and and you gotta you gotta want to retain this guy. Now I'm assuming Brian Shan doesn't want to go anywhere either. No. So I don't think they're they're going through intense contract negotiations. I don't think he makes as much as Babs. I gotta figure it's got to be in the ballpark because we're talking about. I think five. we're talking about this organization. Like I'm gonna say. I'm going to say like 7 to 10. Range. My guess is 5. That's my guess cuz we're talking about the Leafs here. But I know too. but we were also a lot of speculation when when Babcock was brought in after Shanahan was already brought in. There was rumblings as to who's the boss. Right. And, also, and, and when do you have those conversations? And they, they also got in a major bidding war for Babcock too. Right. So that so drove overpaid. up his price. Yeah, they overpaid. So you got to figure if they're circling back and and if this Say if you know when you like you pay this guy this player, it's like when Gretzky was the first guy to make a million bucks. Yeah. All of a sudden, Yager, Lemieux, all these guys want a million bucks, right? Yeah. So I wonder if it has that that pay bump effect. The ripple, where, yeah. Where Shani many years later goes, okay, you know, coach makes this much, the GM makes this much, I should be up here. So because I always felt that one of the main reasons for that topic of discussion was you know who has the biggest hammer mm. in the room and i think it was you know based around the fact that well listen you may be my boss but i make more money than you do yeah and i don't know so if that yourself. really that what kind of weight that actually pulls but um the one thing I, I do really admire about Shanahan, and you get this from him if you watch like the the blueprint videos, especially the ones back when he kind of first started, uh, watch his press and stuff. His heart's in this one hundred and ten percent. He's not doing it for the whatever a million a year. He's doing it because he wants the Leafs to be, you know, a successful franchise. What's and, the story with Shanny? Like, does he what? What was his team growing up? He was like, a diehard Leaf fan. Oh, he was. He grew, I, up, I, grew up in Mimico, I think. It okay, was. Like, so that's just con- outside so that's Toronto. Confirmed. That's confirmed. yeah. So like, I mean, he talks about it. Um, they really profile him, and I, I can't remember what it was. I, I want to say it was the Blueprint series or something, but they, they spent a lot of time profiling him, and all he talks about is how he, what he wants to do, and he wants to restore the franchise to its glory like so that they're a perennial contender. Like he, That's why he, he remade everything. He remade the jerseys. He like I know. He put so much into it and i thought it was interesting so he would uh after of course he signed this he did the rounds on the media and they had him on on overdrive and they t- tried to ask him about what's your day-to-day like what are you involved in beyond just um you know the management of the, the team aspect like what else about the team are you involved in and yeah. he it was funny because they pressed him on a couple of difficult questions eh yeah they and did. he was like and he was like you're really gonna ask me that and, <laughs> and he's like yep yep i am like they just they put him right on the spot 
which was kind of cool. And I guess you can get away with that when you got a couple of his buddies on the panel with you. Well, and they've got a good show, man. Like, it's not like they go over the top or anything like that, but they are very forthcoming on the yeah. show. I think that's a good word to use to describe them. They don't really beat around the bush and they say what they feel. Uh, yeah. And it's pretty, uh, I wouldn't say cutting edge, but it's very fresh. Yeah, even though Shani didn't answer some of those questions they lobbed him, it was it was pretty interesting to, to for them to stick to the guns and like really put him on the hot seat. So yeah, he, and when you have those special kind of relationships with certain, you know, whether they're they're managers or presidents or whatever, you I think you you feel like you have got the rope to get away yeah, with some of those, especially more. with former players. Yeah, I mean, some beat writers not going to ask him some of those questions, but you got a couple of former players and and you know a host a very successful host of one yeah. of the biggest radio shows, so. and he's on the line. He's not going to hang up, right? Yeah, and I there's don't not think so. and, and there's not 14 other reporters that he can just pretend not to hear you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And answer Andrew's question over yeah. here, you know. So good so. on them. I'm a big Overdrive fan. Just Me too. Check it out if you if you if you're in the Toronto area or if you're uh, if you're just a fan of good old good old hockey. Well, band you can get or, it on the TSN app. Yeah, you get it's on. They're on TV now. I mean, that show's gotten huge over the years. I throw so. it on every day now here in the kitchen as I'm cooking. Yeah. It's it's great. That's the third um, thing I turn on when I get home. Typically, did, did you uh, notice too how well he deflected that captaincy question? Oh yeah, that's Will right. there that did be come a up. captain? Will there be a captain? And he just went blah blah blah. Not my decision. Not my decision. Yeah. yeah. So and I mean, yeah. you know, you know what? Let's go. If they are actually gonna remain true to not only the hierarchy of, you know, positions within the organization, but also the chain of command. If they're going to follow the chain of command to a T, then I really commend them for that. I really do. Yeah, and I think that's going to be a big that's a big part of it because they're all hiring people they believe in and they can trust. I mean, they say that about managing anything or, or in any real, you know, upper level profession, the number one thing you can do is surround yourself with good people. Not yes people, good people and people that you can trust. And I feel that's been Shani's philosophy from day one. And he has people in his in place that he believes he can trust. So, you know, given given what we've seen so far, you got to think that you know these people have the autonomy to make the decisions they need. They feel they need to make because he's entrusted them to do so. Yeah, and you know what, man, he's the fucking president. So if he feels like he wants to put his fingerprint, on if something, he really had then to, he, he can, would. And he, he can would. and he would. I'm sure he would. But I, I he feel can like and he generally, will. <laughs> yeah, generally he's not. Um, so there were a couple other news tidbits to come out of this. Uh, he did mention the minor negotiations are ongoing. He felt like they had some productive and positive meetings, which is a good sign. Yada, he, did, yada, yada. he did reiterate with what Dubas said, um, that it was priority number one. And then, of course, he said, yada, yada, yada. I don't think uh, there's anything good about releasing any of the information. Yeah, we know we're not. We know you're not going to. So know, you don't even have to say that. Just I feel don't like. wait till December. Yeah, exactly. That's the main point, right? Um, the other one he talked about, he had a really good quote, actually, I, I wanted to take out. Uh, I thought it was a good takeaway for fans. And it, and it's kind of shout out to all you people who are freaking out about the cap all the time, and, and which is fair. Uh, but he said, as long as we're a cup contender, we will have cap issues. Toronto should get used to that. It doesn't mean we aren't prepared. Well, the good way to end it. Strong way to end it. Just say, you know, if, if all he says is, hey, we're a cup contender, we're going to have cap issues, deal with it. You're kind of like, well, that doesn't make me fucking feel great. No, Brandon. it's the way he ended it. You're right. We're prepared. But we're, it doesn't mean we aren't prepared for it. And I think that speaks to a lot of the people who he's hired and people who are not just projecting, you know, the plan, the Shanna plan for this year. It's for the next year and the next and the next. So let me bring something up to you that um, crossed my mind recently. 
and it's involving the cap. I don't want to go too far into this, but I'm wondering if basically this upcoming season, the most important season for us because it's where we have to sign Mitch Marner, I'm wondering if after next season, if it's possible to see a large jump in the cap for two reasons. One, Seattle. Number two, and this might be reason number one. Number two, the revenue that's going to be garnered from making wagering legal. Right, and to see if they find their way to get their cut on that. Partnerships with DraftKings. Because if league league revenue goes up, I'm pretty sure it's built into the CBA that it does have to raise it. Now, I'm not sure if there's caps on how much they can raise it. But here's the thing, let's go. The CBA is expiring in September. This is true too. So this, so, this again, new revenue could create a whole yes, can of worms. All yeah. of a sudden, we might now have $102 million in salary cap. We went from 79 to 84 to yeah. 102 in And I wonder years. how much some salary floor type teams, some of them located down the highway here, might have something to say about that in that they wouldn't want to see a huge jump because it's going to fuck with the parody they've created which the nhl loves you might not like it as a fan but let's get this one thing straight the nhl the league itself loves this parody that we have going i on. do too i personally do as well i like the fact that you know we're seeing different teams move on in the playoffs i enjoy the fact that we saw some heavy favorites fall right early i mean that's the that's the beauty of sports and Sports in general, I don't believe it's a fair man's game to come out and say, well, the season is already over. We can go ahead and anoint these guys the champions. Or sometimes, like in baseball, it's fucking two months into the season and 17 teams are eliminated. Are gone, are gone yeah. No, it's 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 great, but I mean, well, let's be honest. Parity does favor small market teams. It's just kind of kind of the nature of the beast, right? It. it you well, know. there's less money there, so they yeah. need... Yeah. And, and teams like the Maple Leafs have found ways to spend around that by throwing tons of money at, at coaches and development staff and, and the like. So, uh, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't know enough about the cap to say whether we can see a huge jump, but I like the fact that it is trending upwards, especially given the Maple Leafs situation. Yes, that's and that's kind of what this, this, this uh, centered around because there was a lot of... I think what I was doing was I was scrolling through something on Facebook about Marner and mm-hmm. I, I tend to do the idiot thing and I just look at the comments and shit and yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, so people were talking right about, in. yeah, people were talking about like, you know, there's no way they can afford them, et cetera, et cetera. And that's and, just, people have been saying that for months. People said that about Matthews. People right. said that about Nylander. You know, they can't afford this guy. Can't afford that guy. And I remember earlier in this, like when the regular season was going on and we were talking about Seattle here on the podcast, I remember uh, specifically relating the introduction of the 32nd, uh, NHL franchise was going to reflect the cap, and Vegas reflected the cap. There was a there was a a bigger increase. It was the a cap, good bump. The cap goes up every year. Let's say three or four million. But when Vegas came in, it was like five or six. Yeah. Uh, so then you have to factor in at least another three or four bonus millions when Seattle comes in, and then if mm-hmm. you're factoring in a new CBA, we don't even know what that CBA is going to look like, man. That's right. I we know have no that- idea. I know that some teams have uh, been extra cautious kind of in their spending, you know, especially the teams that are, do have internal caps and things. 
Um, try not to line up too many big long-term deals, not knowing what things are going to look like coming at the other end. But it seems the consensus is that it's going to be largely positive. The leagues continue to grow. Revenue is going to continue to grow. The cap's going to continue to grow. So you have to figure that Kyle Dubas and Maple Leafs are taking all that into account when they're paying these guys. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about overpaying guys. Well, you know, did they overpay Nealander? Are they going to overpay Marner? Because I would argue over $10 million would be overpaying them yeah. in this current time frame right now yeah i agree um you know some, some people said that for Tavares and matthews like you know i'd argue it's worth it but it, it, it you have to go down put yourself one two three years down the road and say what's this contract going to look like then even if they project the way we expect them to in terms of play well and if you overpay them now it will only even out by the end but if players right. if players are willing to take a cut or if you can get them on some some side endorsement yeah. deals for fucking Apple and fucking Google and well, Amazon. You know what I mean? Like Mars making a right. shit ton of money. Yeah, I think Mars made millions already this year. He so. would not make that money in endorsements if he played anywhere else. That's right. I mean, sorry, not anywhere else, but those other markets where he would make that or cash, the, uh, they can't afford him anyways. Yeah, the teams that can afford to offer Sheen him 15 mil aren't going to be able to fucking give him... Sorry, 12 mil. Let's be more realistic. Yeah, 12 but mil. Aren't going to be able to get him all these endorsement deals. No, and then they're, they're giving, not going to have the market. And then they're giving up four first round picks. So now right. all of a sudden you have no market yeah. to endorse this guy. You're paying him all the fucking money, yeah. and he's a winger for starters. So that's probably not going to help your lineup very much. He's not going to bring the cup home for you. And you just gave four futures, four future first round picks to fucking Toronto, who already has Matthews and fucking Tavares. So at the end of the day, for you Leaf fans f- freaking out about Marner, I don't want to see him go, but if for some reason in in out of left fucking field he does go to an offer sheet, I'm going to be like bring it on. <laughs> bring it on because you know what dude, we wouldn't even use all four of those picks. Yeah, we would be trading those picks for fucking a number 1 D-man and bringing PK Subban and another fucking guy to town. <laughs> I'd uh I love how carried away with you. you get with those sometimes. <laughs> oh, the, wow. um, They're hypothetical. Once you get so you on a heater there. Yeah. You can have some fun. But I'll, I'll use the Nylander con- contract as a really good example when people are shouting he's overpaid or he got overpaid and stuff. If he plays as we project him to be, which is a 70, 80-point guy, you know, regular, and he's making $7 million, that's we're going to be fuck all in a couple of years exactly. in the grand scheme it, yeah, of things. It will be. It'll be it's an, going to be a, a decent, it's deal. going to be a decent contract. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just, it happens with the way the market changes. Uh, we talked about a lot about Nate McKinnon and guys like that who are crim- criminally underpaid right now, but at the time they were given fair contracts for the situation, the time and what they had produced. Hell man, Sidney Crosby became wildly underpaid. Yeah. Well, when he been, when he was making 8.7 yeah. and winning an Art Ross and a fucking yeah. Con Smythe. He has been for years despite you know? The, you know the talking points we hear about about you know these guys took less and stuff like that. At the time they probably didn't really take that much less and that might not have even been a conversation. Yeah, that's But right. it's one talking point that management likes to use because you got to squeeze your players. That's just the nature <laughs> of the beast. It's fucking yeah. business. No doubt. All right, well we're talking about squeezing things. Are we squeezing this pod out Yeah, or what? let's let's close it balls deep. All right, so we're wrapping up balls deep episode 34. Pucks in deep and balls in deep as well. Enjoy your long weekends, people. Yeah, long weekends. Put some sunblock on and crack a few. Crack a few, maybe throw the pod on for like an hour and 20 out on the boat or out by the campfire or whatever the fuck you want to do. Opening season for walleye this weekend. Wow. But I'm going trout. Balls to the walleye. 
Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> All right, man. Well, enjoy your fishing trip. Oh, and a quick update on the haunted house. I haven't heard or seen nothing. anything. Nothing. Nothing since. All right. My buddy said to me he can't believe that I challenged the spirits. Yeah, I, I don't know who does that. You're just inviting it in. I, I'm okay you with it. You ever see that uh, Kenny versus Benny where they have to stay in the haunted house the longest? <laughs> I haven't, no. All right, wait. Maybe I did. Actually. You got to watch it, man, because uh, Kenny just spends the whole time trying to conjure up spirits and he's doing like a seance and then something some big bang goes off and he goes running out of the house and so does the whole crew and spenny can't leave because he fucking chained himself to like a rat or something <laughs> and it turns out it was just some crane next door like dropped something or like some construction materials fell and but he freaked himself out because he was the conjuring up the spirits the whole time so when there was a loud bang you get, you're just gonna look on their faces anyway. Watch it if you get a chance. But I will. They, he I basically will. convinced himself that it was a ghost because he was was spending the whole time inviting them. Right. I'm just I'm just weirdly okay with it, but we'll keep you guys updated on uh, any future forthcomings on the haunted house. But that'll do it here for the Pucks and Deep podcast, episode 34. It's been a grand time. Thanks for joining us, Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko, signing off for another week, and we'll see you again in a week's time. Go Raptors.